Welcome to episode five of Once Upon a Film Industry. I'm Stephen Lloyd Bennett. I'm Al Lopez. Today we have Jessa Zarubica. I'm amazed. I don't know how she did it, but Jessa walks us through how she shot an entire feature film all while under this COVID lockdown. And without further ado, Jessa Zarubica. Welcome to Once Upon a Film Industry. I'm Stephen Lloyd Bennett. I'm Al Lopez. And we are here with the lovely and talented Jessa Zarubica. Hello, hello. Jessa. Hello, hello. Hi, Jessa. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. We're excited to get into the nitty gritty of all that is Jessa Zarubica and her talented uh, ways and beings and all that stuff. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> let's get right into it. Uh, what's your story? What got you into filmmaking? Where are you from? And all those background things. Well, um, I actually grew up in Los Angeles, so born uh, born here, and uh, one of one of the rare ones, I'd say. And I think really my love of storytelling really began uh, when I was like, I'd say like five or six. My dad got into acting, and he was part of a he was part of a class. And I remember I'd walk in, and him and and the actors were having like rehearsals, and I was just mesmerized with like the story, with acting, and I didn't quite understand it, but I was, I was fascinated by it. And I think that really like sparked, you know, sort of my love of storytelling. And, uh, as I kind of, you know, grew up, I, I had some learning disabilities. I'm actually like severely dyslexic. So I definitely never thought that I would be a writer at all. Like I hated writing. I hated math. And, um, when I got to high school, I was still like uh, loved acting was like in every play, every everything you can imagine. Um, but I met this teacher, uh, Michael Ventura, and he was a creative writing teacher. And he was the first teacher that really graded me on content as opposed to like your grammar, your spelling. And he just uh, taught me, I mean, how to look at the world differently. And after that moment, I was just hooked. Anyway, I had some other amazing Jasmine Ventura. Uh, not Ventura, Jasmine Verrescio is another person that she uh, just changed my life like with with writing. And it wasn't actually until then that I ever thought about being a writer. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that was like kind of my first dip into into like even considering um, I was a, I, I could write even like beyond, I had like the reading comprehension in high school of probably like a seventh grader, like I just, I, I was so far behind and I was not diagnosed with dyslexia until I was like 17. So I just always thought like, I need to work harder. I need to be, I need to do better. And, um, and yeah, these, these teachers, like they freed me from this, uh, from this myth that I had to be, uh, that there was only one way to be a good writer, that like your story actually meant so much more than your spelling. And by the time I got to 12th grade, every teacher assumed that I was going to be a writer. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, nice. I'm not going to write. I'm going to act. I'm going to be, you know, in front of the camera, never, never behind the camera, only in front. I want to be a uh, center of attention. And um, a lot has changed. Um, and uh, it was right around the time when like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck had just won an Oscar. And it made every actor in the world be like, well, if they did it. I mean, I can do it, you know? Yes, and so, facts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, all right, the way to, the way to make it happen is you got to write yourself into a movie. You got to write yourself into a role. So producers, and they were going off about looking for a writer for a new film that was already funded, was filming abroad in Vietnam. And 
like having zero writing experience in in Hollywood and zero idea what I was doing, I was like, if I write your entire script, I didn't say on spec because I didn't know what that was. But I was like, if I write your script for like free, would you guys at least consider like reading it? And they were like, this like seventeen year old girl still in high school, and uh, and one of the guys was like a good friend of my dad, and so obviously he had some kind of pressure to like entertain me. And um, yeah, I wrote the script and sold it. And that was my first um, at 17. So then that was my first like kind of introduction into Hollywood. Still convinced I wanted to be an actor more than anything. Um, but then I started writing and that really got my next job around 19 when I decided I was going to be a producer and had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Called the only semi-famous person I knew <laughs> was like, I'm not only going to be a writer now, I'm going to be a producer. And she's like, she was an actor and she was like, me too. I'm like, great, let's, let's produce something. And um, so we put into production like a $15 million movie having no money raised, like just insane. (laughs) Uh, And we ended up making like this proof of concept. I was talking about this earlier today. We, we somehow like through everybody was, by the way, I was 19. Everyone was at least 12 to 15 years older than me on the production. Like I was by far the youngest person, no idea what I'm doing, but so confident. And, uh, yeah. And she, she and me together raised money, like close to 30 grand to do this proof of concept. Wow. Uh, we got a 30 person crew uh, we actually shot on the red one. We were one of the first productions, one of two. It was like Bloody Valentine and my production were the first two people to ever use the red one, which is really cool. Nice. Got written up in all these like cinematography magazines. Um, I still love the red camera. It's like probably one of my favorite cameras probably because I Absolutely. literally came up with it. And yeah, we shot this thing and it was insane. Uh, we shot at the Barclay Hotel in downtown LA, like a historic hotel. I had... Uh, 100 feet of cables dropping off of the top roof of the Barclay Hotel on a crowded Thursday night in downtown LA, trying to like talk my way out of getting shut down with like, we had fake guns, monsters, uh, stunts on like wires. And basically, I had PAs like walk out on the street with fake guns. And all of a sudden, people were like, ah, and I was like, get inside. What are you doing? You know, like, it was insane. But it was my first time producing. And so that kind of set me off to start producing. And then, um, yeah, I, I continued acting, but from there, sort of that, the, these two like things really like cemented like, oh, this is what I'm going to do forever. Cool. And then, um, yeah. And then from there sold, I don't know, maybe a dozen scripts. Um, what they don't tell you is that if you don't, if the movie doesn't actually get made, you don't really get credit. So I have all these scripts that I've sold. And like, if you looked at my IMBD, you would have no idea that I have been a working writer for over, oh. 16 years um right. because unless the movie actually gets made nothing happens you don't now get, you don't now get the credit you, you don't get the credit on imdb unless the movie is made yeah okay I, I think, and you don't I even like, get a union credit not not uh not unless it's wga and i was i never had an agent i mean i literally have right now my first writing manager i did all these deals by calling <laughs> I'd call an entertainment lawyer that I'd met the week before and was like, Hey, can you help me? And they'd be like, sure. I'm like, this is how much money I want to make. They're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I had no, I'd never done anything conventionally. Of course I like wanted the agent, but a lot, I think a lot of the agents too, I just had no, like 
for somebody who grew up in LA, I really did not have any connections into Hollywood. I had no idea how to do anything. So I just did it myself. I just figured out a way to pioneer it. Um, nice. And I realized, yeah, I realized around 25 that like nothing was getting made myself. And then I made my first series and that series led to getting other things picked up and pocket watch. And yeah. And then uh, here we are, like <laughs> kind of took around <laughs> <Pocket> watch. <laughs> a, a long winding road, but definitely now I'm at a, you know, at a place where I'd like to say most of the time I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. It's a film industry. Come on. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> yeah. We're just pretending like we know what we're doing, just doing stuff. Uh, never having had an agent really, um, uh, or a manager full time, I really had to negotiate and work with like lawyers and stuff like that. But I had to negotiate my own terms. And I really, uh, even, even so doing that, um, when I was like working in house, you know, and somebody was like willing to, you know, you're getting these bigger paychecks and stuff like that. You have to really, especially as a woman, understand that you are probably undervaluing yourself. And I know that that's probably a blanket statement, but it's been my experience to be relatively true that we get so excited that we got invited to the table that we don't look around and say like, but that guy's making a hundred K more than me and doing half the work. And I really think it's important to know your worth. And so I'm not advocating because I got this question. I did a something with a college. I got this question. So I'm not advocating if you have two years experience to walk into a room and to ask for $100,000. I am not advocating for that. I think you should definitely look at WGA minimums, look at what people are working with. And so like, if you're new, then sure, write something you should be if you're a new writer, you should have written three scripts. Because the chances are the first two are going to be shitty and the third one's going to be barely readable. And like, that's just like, that's just the, the reality of it. And you might get lucky. You might be somebody who's an actor who's transitioning to being a writer and then hit it out of the park. But if you have zero experience in the film industry, you need to like, especially as a writer, you need to just write, you know, and not worry about like write on spec, write on anything. But once you have that experience, know how to value yourself. And I just, I really want to stress with female filmmakers, I undervalued myself for 12 years. Like, yes, so like I've been working for 16. So do that math. Like the last four years, I've slowly started to be like, oh, no. And gosh, no is a very powerful world, very powerful word. Say no a lot. Say no, this doesn't align with me. There's a kind no. There's a like, sorry, this doesn't align with me. Or And there's also no pressure ever to agree to anything in a room, ever. You can always walk away. You right. can say, let me think about it. That is it. And that goes for negotiating with money. And that also goes for negotiating with your story. Don't agree to something you don't actually agree with. Say, huh, that's interesting. Let me think about that. Don't agree to anything. I, as a general rule, I tend to not agree with anything in the room. I will always say like, huh, let me think about it. So that I can truly process what the notes are. I can process what's happening. And I think it's really, really important as a woman, we want to say yes. And, and that's obviously like a stereotype for sure. So it's not all women, but there is a majority who want to say like, yes, because we want to, you know, people please. And we want to like, we're, again, we're just so excited to be invited to the table. And I think the other thing I would say is, Ask for in any job you're going into 20K more than you think on average, 20K more than you are going to ask. And I've coached other girls and other women through this. 
and they are fucking god like jaw smacked or god, what's the god just god smacked god smacked <laughs> there you go when they get that money and they're like and they're like and i was like the lowest paid person still i'm like yeah it does not surprise me yeah yeah i, I uh, as a rule of thumb i i um the 20k is is a, a good starting i mean i will go even higher than that actually um uh, a little bit more good. aggressive yeah. um I'm but I'm yeah. way more aggressive now. I I won't pick up a pen for an ungodly amount of money. Like I'm very aggressive now because I worked for years for free, like genuinely selling my talents and thinking that I had to be something that I didn't. And honestly, getting in 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 conversations and arguments about story and things like that that I didn't need to. All I need to say is let me think about it. And the best and then and then the and then you think about it. And if it's a yes, then great. And if it's a no, then come up with a creative solution. Be like, oh, that was such a good idea. I was thinking about it, but what do you think about this? Like there's always a way to like get creative. And then sometimes you just have to give. You know what I mean? And 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 you have to know kind of that's being an artist. You have to know when to give and when to take. But negotiate higher than you think out the gate. If you've been working in the industry for three years, you should be getting paid. And nice. I would look at the, I would look at those numbers, look it up on the glass ceiling. I, <laughs> I can't, I don't know if I should talk about the story about me asking for this insane amount of money. Oh, um, please. <laughs> I think we should. Yeah. Let's go with yes. <laughs> let's dig in a little deeper here. Let's, let's do that. I, yeah. I won't, I won't tell you where I was at, but I was making, uh, God, should I use actual numbers? Yeah. Why not? Okay. I was making like 60 K. And I went into negotiation and I asked for 120 and I didn't get it. The person said no. The next job I got, they paid me 120 out the gate as their first offer. Nice. I said, no, that's what my new minimum is. The guy laughed me out of the room at, when I was at 60, laughed me out of the room. My next thing, 120. Nice. So, and that's, and that's like, so let them laugh you out the room. Yeah, it's a true story. Let them, and, and, and true you, story. You, you, Let them yeah. laugh you out the room. That's bold, right? I feel like I oh, always... Oh, yeah. I definitely, by the yeah. way, I definitely like had a complete panic attack. It was like, I'm for sure getting fired. But they just said, no, we're not paying you that. You know, and okay. But I, right. I definitely think like, regardless, it made me go like, oh, well, somebody is making that amount. I know people that are making this and making 120 doing what I'm doing. Why am I not making that? And right. then when I came in, I came in hot the next negotiation, like hot. And I got more, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. But you, I, you get more than that then. And like, that's, you know, I just, I think don't let them laugh you out. Of, let Or let them laugh you out the room or let them whatever. But I, I guarantee you, like, you can get what you think you can get. Because there are people less talented than you, like so much less talented than you. Uh, yes. Making so much more money. And I right. just think, why can't, why can't you be? Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. as a female, I, I mean, I, yes, as a male as well. And, and, and like, it, it, you know, I don't want to be just raw, raw females, but, but definitely I think we, we undervalue our talents. Well, um, you, but yeah, just to let you know, you could be raw, raw female here because we encourage that. So yeah, we for that. No, I mean, I, I love women. I, I definitely feel like I've, I just didn't know, like, I just honestly didn't know how underpaid I was until it was like literally like pushed in my face. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you mean everyone in this room is making a hundred, literally a hundred K more than me doing the same thing. What? Wow. Mm, and I've been yeah. doing it longer. You, you, and once it was like in my face, then I couldn't unsee it. And I just think, yeah, 
Don't be afraid to go in there. If you're making 60 K a year and be like, I need 120. This is what I deserve. Also, like if you're, if you're a PA, please don't do that. But I mean, you know, (laughs) don't do that. But I mean, don't be afraid to do it. I definitely was scary as shit. And I definitely was definitely laughed out of the room. Definitely laughed out of the room. But that's bold action. I feel like bold action should always be, will always be rewarded at some point. Maybe not in the moment, but later on, it'll always be rewarded. Yeah. And I think know your minimum. Like I just decided this is what my new minimum is. Nobody told me. I just was like, oh, this is what my minimum is. I will not ever work below this now. And you know what? I haven't. Nice. You know, and that's, I mean, I work for free for my boyfriend and I do a ton of charity stuff and I work with kids and I do a bunch of that stuff. That doesn't count. I mean, like for your big projects, you know, like right, 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 hang right, out right. with kids, give back, mentor, like all that stuff. I just mean like your big projects, ask for what you're worth. Absolutely. Somewhere along the line, I stopped acting, decided, or or temporarily stopped acting. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. But you were just in a. I know. Just I know. Film, I right? know. It's, yeah. Yes, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> don't dig too deep. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, who do you th- say is your biggest inspiration growing up? Personal inspiration, like someone you oh, know. Personal inspiration. Um, I was gonna say career inspiration. Like I was obsessed with Tina Fey. Like obsessed. Um, but uh, right. let's see, somebody who's like personal inspiration. There's so many. Um, I guess. I guess like besides Michael Ventura, who absolutely was my first idol, and not for the reasons you think. Like he was a badass writer, and he's published and books and all the all the good things. But because he lived his life uh, free, like he lived his life on the edge, he wasn't bound by anything. And he really, um, he challenged the way that I thought. And I think he challenged how I thought about myself and he challenged how I would come to the world. And I think that really sort of changed me, not only as a person, but as a writer. And I think life imitates art as a a good uh, one of my acting teachers who also is a huge inspiration when I was younger, um, Jocelyn Jones. She was incredibly uh, instrumental in sort of guiding me. Um, it was as an actress, but honestly, I use everything I learned from her uh, in my writing and in my directing. Like it's, it was, she was just incredible. Yeah. And then of course, like my mom and my dad, my mom was like a female badass entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur. Like they both, uh, my mom, like led the way in the fashion industry. She had the first ever female buying office. And my dad was like a multimillionaire by the time he was 23 in the fashion industry and like just killed it. And they were both self-made. Nice. And, nice. Uh, and and they, we've had ups and downs, like definitely like financially and otherwise, like the fashion industry has hit in the last uh, decade some very big ups and downs. So a lot of people who were multimillionaires were no longer that. But my parents really like, they, they kind of showed me that you can do anything and they sort of were like no excuse. Like my, and I think like without that type of support, I'm so uh, blessed to be able to have parents that literally told me when I said at 17, after getting a 4.35 in high school, cause I just worked harder thinking I was dumb because I had dyslexia. So I was like top of, you know, GPA, everything applied to 13 colleges and then got in everywhere and was like, I don't want to go to school. I want to be in Hollywood at 17. They were like, okay, cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So. so what made you say, I'm going to make a quarantine movie? 
Um, it was that or lose my mind. I mean, I don't know if you know a lot about me, but like, <laughs> I was like, right. you're going to, we're going to be shut inside, like for an undeterminable amount of time. Cool. <laughs> like, right. And I also like, I can joke about it now because we're not joke, but I can make fun of it now. But I was scared. I mean, I, I really thought that, and I, I mean, I kind of still do or not out of it at all. Like, I really thought like, oh my gosh, like everyone is going to know someone who died and like what, you know, what's going to happen. And one of the things that I was so inspired by was, I, I see like this quoted a lot, but I looked outside and I really saw you know, there were two ways to look at it, all the crappy things that were happening and missing toilet paper and humanity kind of not at its best on display. But if you looked beyond that, I saw just like, wow, humanity, like people reaching out to help each other, friends of mine who are well off or who are big actors offering to like, just, you know, DM me and tell me how much you need to get groceries and I'll send you money. Like people supporting their small businesses, people like reaching out to help. And I really think we, we live in this world where we want to be so independent, especially, you know, in Los Angeles, we want to be, you know, autonomous. But I really think like, the key to humanity is acknowledging our need for one another. And I just think that that's really what I was inspired by and I wanted to write about is our primal need for, for one another in a time when you're being separated. And that's really was my inspiration for the film. And so I set out to make a film where it's two people in two different apartments who like they matched on a dating site like a year prior and as they're going into quarantine, they both realize like, oh, shit, we live on top of each other, don't like each other, but find this like commonality and closeness that that maybe wouldn't have been there had it had they not both been stuck at home. And I liked that through this dark time comes a story about hope and love and at the core, just acknowledging that people need one another. I, you know, and that's that's my firm belief. And Jessa, how, how long is the film? Uh, it's around 95 minutes right now. 95 yeah, minutes, okay. we're, we're just, uh, we're going into the polishing part of uh, the edit. So it's pretty exciting uh, just to see all these, like the composer, like bring music to it and to see, just to see it take shape. And it was, it was a, whew, it was a hard thing to direct for, I mean, six months of production to get it. Six months. Wow. Yeah. And so, and so, Take me back to the writing of this uh, um, of this film. Did you write it before, or did you write it on the go, or how, how did that work? Because, yeah, you know, a, a lot of stuff is you know you're, you're learning about the quarantine as you go along, right? So yeah. So it, I wanted did it, that affect your writing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which, in hindsight, I would have done everything differently. Like I'm not going to lie, I, I made it way harder on myself than it needed to be. <laughs> which is like I think what everybody learns when you go into I think you're, you know, a film like this, you're like, I'm going to do this unique thing where I'm going to shoot it all. You know, I'm going to direct through zoom. I'm going to send the actors cameras. I'm going to direct, you know, direct them, the, them in their makeup, in their clothes and what to do with their set design of their actual house. Um, you know, it's going to be great. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, every angle takes so long because they're actors. They're, they are not DPs. The DPs like, Nope, Nope. Okay. The camera's falling. Camera's falling. Grab the camera, you know, like, (laughs) and you're like, Oh boy. And we were writing, like you said, while 
um, the pandemic was happening because like I wanted to record in real time real things that were happening. I really in hindsight, I should have come up with a story that no matter what happened, I could kind of like add in these elements as opposed to filming it like that because it created a lot of like, oh boy, we have to go back because like, we have to go back and refilm this because I, I thought that this was going to go like this. And now we're seeing that it's going like that. And so one, one of the biggest things is that, and it, this has been incredibly a, a very deadly pandemic, obviously, but I definitely was like thinking we were going into like contagion, like a, a, a thriller movie, which is not the case. It was just a small, like a slow descent into madness, boredom and fear and just ever so slowly, like watching grains of salt, you know, of sand, like tick away and being like scared. And you're just dealing with like this boredom. I can't like, I can't describe it more than that. Then I feel like you, I thought that the, it was going to be this like, oh my gosh, everybody's dying. But it was like, no, everybody's just going crazy, <laughs> getting <laughs> more and more bored. And, and thank God you're privileged for people that are getting bored. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you if you had a moment to be bored, that meant you're not on the front lines. You weren't, you know, a nurse in the hospital. Like, Good and, point. you know, I definitely think like that was a privilege to have that feeling. Like the biggest thing you're learning is this like stillness. And maybe maybe humanity needed to take a little bit of a pause. This wouldn't be the way that I would have wanted that to happen, obviously. But this this it definitely caused everyone to stop their normal life right? Like everybody's life went from just paused, paused, just everything that you were used to your daily rituals, your daily routine, even if you were like somebody who worked from home, which is one of my characters works from home, I showed how he's like, not much has changed, except for the crippling anxiety of like going outside. And, <laughs> and, and, and so t- take me a couple of steps, a couple of steps back with your writing skills. At what point in your life did you realize, you know, I'm a writer, I'm not, uh, I'm going to dedicate more time to, to writing and I'm pretty fucking good at writing. Like at what point did you say that to yourself? Well, I can't wait to say that to myself someday because I I mean, we're writers. Are you kidding? (laughs) We're so hard on ourselves. Like I've sold, I mean, you know, I've sold a number of scripts and I'm still like, oh my God, I'm shitty. This is shit. You, the, I'll take you through my process. We'll take a break from Six Feet Apart was like an island of a film. Like I'll never do another film like it. I'll never write another film like it because I had to write it, rewrite it, reshoot, another reshoot, reconstruct a story, go back, find another story. Okay, now it has to make sense with like, a script format. So I have to add in this, like these beats have to hit on these minutes. Otherwise it's, it's not feeling tight. Okay. So we have to go back again, reshoot that because when we shot it, this was happening in the world. Don't cut your hair. Don't shave your face. This movie is still going. So like definitely that was its own, like which film is this? Six feet apart. apart. Yeah. But normally (laughs) with, with writing, it's like, I write something, I'm like, damn, I am so good. Wow. And then I read it back and I'm like, okay, well, to make this a little deeper, maybe I should like, I'll add this little thing to like deepen this character. And okay, but if I do that, then let me like, I'll put this in here and that'll make that moment. Ooh, that moment's really great. And then it's like, okay, well now 
well, maybe this doesn't work anymore. Cause like if this thing happens and that thing, Oh my God, none of this makes sense. None of what I'm writing makes sense. This is the shittiest yeah. script I've ever written. Why did I ever start writing? I hate writing. I don't want to write. I hate this. I hate, Oh, there's a good moment. That's a really good moment. Okay. Well, I can build off this moment into like this other moment. Okay. Well, I kind of like this scene now. Everything else is terrible, but I like this one scene. All right, let me start over. And like that yeah. kind of like, you know, and then you rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I'm starting to see the original. After you've been completely humbled, you're like, okay, now I'm starting to see the vision of where I was thinking I should be going and what that first vision was. But you're totally humbled every time you get to the end of a script. At least I am. I'm like, okay. No, same. I know exactly what you're yeah. The process of what they say, writing is rewriting. Yeah, writing is rewriting. And if you don't live for the moments of inspiration where you connect something back and you're like, oh my gosh, this moment is brilliant. If if you don't live for those like five second highs, that's that's <laughs> what you're living for. Like I'm like, you're living for the moment of like oh, it connects, it makes sense. And and you get one of them after you go through the initial I'm a genius phase. You get one very few and far between to get you through the rest of the script. Right, right. Now I feel you. Um, I started out as an actor similar to you, and um, I take a lot of my acting into my writing, where I find myself just instinctively living through the script, and it comes out faster that way. Is that something you sort of tap into when you're writing? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think I think my strongest. My strongest suit is writing um, characters and dialogue for sure, because I can definitely put myself in different characters. Like I'll start like I do their gestures, their behaviors. I can put myself like into different actors. I definitely um, it's really helpful for me. I used to chaos write, which is writing when you don't do an outline like that was how because I didn't know how to write. So I just I just started and and started writing a script and then had to unteach myself after my like 10,000 hours of doing it the wrong way how to do it the right way but the thing I struggle with the most is the world I'm very good at structure I'm very good at hearing the characters I can feel now instinctually like a musician I can feel when the notes change like I know instantly like oh we got to turn here got to turn like I can right. feel it like musical notes now in my body because I've been writing for so long you know, and then I send it to my editor and she tells me what a dumbass I am. So, you know. Like... No, same here. Same exact situation. Here. You, you, you send it nice and clean. She sends it back with like, you know, read, read it up full of blood. Is I that how it works? Yeah. I didn't stop being dyslexic just because I got better at writing. <laughs> and, and what type of writing do you do? Um, your stories are, is it more dramatic, horror? comedy it's everything i mean i um i think writers write everything i hate that we we try to pin people into a genre or thing uh you know a category because if you're a writer and you're a working writer you write everything sure there might be an area that you're better at or a, a you know a thing that you like more for me i would say i always love to add comedy into things and i call most things that i write a comedy even though most people strongly disagree like no this is a horror film i'm like it's a comedy you know, and, <laughs> funny. Why this guy's getting fat? Come on, you need to laugh at that. Jokes. Yeah, I, I like I like things that because uh, I like quirky characters. I like I like people that are obviously like you can just take one look at me and understand why I'm I'm not you know I'm very quirky myself and like I like characters that are eccentric that ha- are passionate that have 
that kind of think outside the box. And I enjoy um, writing that the most, I think. Um, and I like stories. My The thing I'm most drawn to in storytelling, and honestly, this fits in every genre and everything I do, this holds true. I like characters that have lost all hope. And I love the story back to hope and back to being able to see magic in the world. Because I think I was very blessed with parents that showed me that the world was magical, even after going through very, very hard things. And my family has been through very hard things. And like my mom has continued to see the joy and the magic in the world. And I hope that I can give that to other people because it really is the game changer, no matter what career you're in, to living a happy life. Nice. Going back to uh, Six Feet Apart and that whole process, you said you had a DP, which is a director of photography, for those who don't know. How big was your camera crew? Was it all through Zoom? How did that work? How big was my like, camera crew? Yeah, it was the just camera like crew one dude? I, my DP and the actors. Right. But the cameras you gave them, were they just like the phones? No, we had to, or how no, we had to teach them how to use. Let me just tell you the painstaking uh, horror of trying to teach an actor how to go through every single camera setting via Zoom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And every single shot. How many times did it ask? I mean, if you interview our actors, like how many times we had to reshoot something because we'd get to the end and they'd taken. So they would take a photograph of the actual um, display and like send it to me and be like, this is the shot. I'd be like, great. We'd film the whole thing. They'd send me the video and it's like just slightly out of focus. But if you blew it up on the, on the, on the, you know, on a, in a theater, it's very out of focus. So you have to, then we'd have to be like, after this whole day getting all this stuff, then you'd have to go back in and be like, okay, so sorry guys, we gotta, gotta reshoot this again. I think we reshot something, one scene five times. Wow. You You had two actors or more? Um, I had more. I had um, two main actors, uh, J.J. Nolan and uh, Chris Candy, who are just saints. Um, J.J. Nolan's a very good actress. Met her at Pocket Watch. She's fantastic, yeah. I mean, I think you know, she's literally one of my favorite, favorite actors. I am waiting for the day when I don't get to hire her anymore because she blows up. I I just think... She's incredible. And she she finds discovery in a way that is unreal. Like I will give her a I mean, she she will walk her truth into any moment, into any situation and it and just deliver. Even if she's playing, you know, the goofy character she played at Pocket Watch or she's playing, you know, I mean, she's to me one of the best actors. Um I think out there working that's like, that's big words, but I'm very, I'm a very hard critic because of being an actor and coming up around actors. And I just, I marvel watching her. What are you, what are your uh, distribution plans? We, we have some, I'm I'm not quite at liberty to uh, discuss those just yet, but yeah, we, we've been approached, been very lucky. Um, We've been approached by, uh, we had a big article in the Hollywood reporter um, that came out. And so a lot of people kind of got, that got the word out about the film. So we were very lucky to have an opportunity. It was the most beautiful article. Um, I was so, I had no idea um, and felt very lucky. And so we were given a lot of opportunities because of that, which really helped, you know, propel the film, I think in the right direction. Nice. Nice. So I know you, Jessa, you're constantly writing, you're constantly doing stuff. What else are you working on? Um, So I'm in pre-production on two features right now. Um, Both of them were supposed to film this year, but due to COVID and other concerns, I've both been pushed off to next year. Uh, So, 
And then I'm in um, like development on another project, um, on another script um, and with another company. And that's a little bit more preliminary. We're hoping it lands um, next year. And then I'm working with uh, I'm working with a production company as well to develop a few a few projects for them. It's so <laughs> fucking vague. It's like, it's like, and then um, it's like reading a document where like everything's in black. Yeah, yeah, redacted. <laughs> working on projects. A redacted. Document. And then I have a project. Uh, yeah, and it's coming out next year. And it's, yeah. a, it's another project. It's called, it's called Training My Dog. I mean, <laughs> right, right. So that's the, my new project. So the reason, why, the reason why Jessica can't say, for the listeners who don't aren't aware why, is because when you're in the process of making something, um, people usually don't want the um, news to get out before a press release is put out when a company has hired someone to do a thing. So yeah, um, and I, I can give you. I can give news. you like the yeah. I can give you kind of the names of, of stuff. Like I'm I'm working on one project called Lion's Tooth that'll shoot in March with Go Media. It's a story about uh, it's multi generational um, about two women, uh, forty years or not forty years, excuse me, two women um, thirty years apart that are both uh, struggling with breast cancer. And it's definitely a departure from like I, I definitely am more. You asked me what genre. So I don't necessarily write in a specific genre up until this point, but I have been completely focused on action films for the last year, um, oh, action wow. and genre. So that's really where I see my career headed is towards action, action comedy, action drama, action suspense. But yeah, so this was kind of not quite in that path, but on a real, on a sort of less happy note, I had three very dear friends pass away in 2019, one right after the other from cancer, wow. and it wrecked me. And I wanted to well, do. To hear that. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I wanted to do something. Uh, the last being one of my closest childhood friends, who I hadn't been close with um, in a couple years since you know, or you know, in, in several years. But we grew up together. We were the same age. Like it just it just. Whew, and she left behind a young daughter, oh. and I just thought like. I want to do a story that someday, even though this, her daughter like never knew me, like I didn't get to meet her and like, she'll never know the impact like that this um, woman had on my life. Like her mom basically was like the person I looked up to as a kid. Like she, you, everybody has that one friend that you're like, wow, she's like beautiful and cool. And I like, wish I could be that cool. And um, yeah, it's like, it's like a hole in my entire childhood. And I felt when I got this script sent to me, I was like, I can see one day if I do this right, um, that her daughter Leah will watch it and maybe not feel, feel represented and not alone that like other people go through cancer and lose parents and have, you know, this troubling, uh, you know, not an easy upbringing. And I think representation is important. Um, yeah, so I definitely didn't see myself um, directing a movie like this, and but because of sort of what happened, and and uh, it really like struck a chord, and I was like, I have to do this film, and I called the filmmakers, and I was like, I have to do this, like no, I like they had like I think another interview when I got interviewed, and I was like, no, I have to direct this, <laughs> okay, right, you know, but um, thank God they both. They, you know, the, the, the wonderful, oh my gosh, the best set of producers and humans, like truly, I feel just so blessed. They are fantastic, wonderful people. Um, 
but yeah, so they, uh, they also liked my vision for it. And, um, I was lucky enough to get hired on it. That's so I can talk about that. I just can't talk about like more specifically about. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's good things. We always want to be the filmmaker that can't talk about what they're doing. That's like the the next level. I mean, I, I I don't know. I didn't ask permission, but I, I feel like that's, I feel like that's enough. I like, I can, I can speak to that. And then, the other um, wonderful film that I'm a part of is called Wolfish, and it's a psychological thriller about uh, about a, a young girl who discovers that there are actual monsters in her workplace. And it's a comedy, and it's definitely uh, a very fun uh, film. And uh, yeah, uh, that one I'll, I'll say less about because that one has a little more mystery around it, and it's it's really, really fun. Um, Are you directing that one as well? Yeah, I wrote and, and directed it. I sold the script in April of last, or oh my God, of this year, but I keep calling it last year because it feels like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, sold, I sold the script in April and um, yeah, and I'm attached to direct it. And I'm, again, like lovely, like just so lucky, lovely, amazing producers um on board with that one and uh the film is very female empowerment and very fun and definitely one of those films that you go to see with your girlfriends or your boyfriends and just very very fun um so i'm very excited about that as well that's fantastic nice nice uh i had one more question uh which was uh, in in your view um how has and i, I you touched a little bit on it but how has covid affected not just um, just in general, the film industry. I mean, it's it's definitely the thing that 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 makes me sad and why I love filmmaking so much is I love the sense of all these artists coming together to create something. I just think it's magical. And it's a there's there's a feeling on set and a high that like you just can't get anywhere else. It's Absolutely. Just, it's just incredible. Like, I just love being around I love being around the GE team. I love being around the ADs. Like I love crews and I love actors. And so to me, what's sad is just that there's these barriers, you know. I mean, thank God we've gone, we've come back to work and we're going back to work. So like I can't really complain. But I just I miss the sense of like I want to be able to I was talking to another female, lovely, beautiful human female filmmaker today and she was talking, she shot her movie in August. So that was like after we had kind of, we'd shot the the bones of our movie already. And like, it was all remote, but she actually did it in person. So I was talking to her today about the experience. And I was like, how did you not like hug your crew every day? And like, you know, she's like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's a different experience. And, you know, you have zones and yeah, it's I, at least we're back to work, you know, so I can't really complain. I just, I miss I miss hugging people in general. Like I'm such a, like a hugger. Um, but I miss the sense of like togetherness because you, you really are. And I love like anyone who knows me and Steven knows this about me. Like when I direct actors, I like definitely am a director that's like, okay, she's like in your personal space. Yeah. You you get all up in it. You get all up in it. (laughs) I, I definitely like to be like really like close with my actors and communicate with them and play with them and have fun. And so, it's definitely, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a different experience. But again, like we're saving lives. I can't, you cannot complain. And the fact that we're able to go back to work, you know, like there was a couple months there where I was just like, 
oh my goodness, what is going to happen? Like, yeah. what if we can't work again? Like, what is yeah. happening? You know? And yeah, I, I mean, I do think there's going to be something permanent from now on, you know, whether it be some sort of regulations or some sort of like set life. I hate to say it, but I feel like something's going to be permanently changed forever. Cause I mean, this year I didn't shoot anything. Usually every year I try to shoot something this year. I, well, also made a person. So that's more important. I mean, than I feel like that's- <laughs> it's a little more important, but, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I took this year off because of that. I was just like that also because of that. Cause just like, man, I, I'm not sure if I want to risk going on set, but, um, Next year, I think I'm definitely going to get on set. Act three. And you already kind of answered what's next with your redacted statement. (laughs) So I usually ask this question. It's like the last question. 40 years from now, you're an old lady. You're looking. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, come on. Okay, 50, 60 years from now. 80 years from now. 80 years from now. (laughs) Thank you. You're an old lady. Yes. You're looking back in your career. What is making you the happiest? All the doors I opened for female filmmakers that came behind me and all the like. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a a drop a bomb after that sort of statement. I love it. Yeah. And all the diversity clauses that I put into every set that I run. I hope that I like some of the things that I implement become industry standard. Um, Things that I've implemented since I was 19. Nice. I hope that they are copied and and not that I'm some saint or anything like that. I just believe I believe that equality in all capacities, um, diverse and women and men like or non-binary. Like I I think that us acknowledging that on on set and creating rules and regulations to make sure that that happens sets us all free. So I just I think that that's something that I hope my career, I'm able to, you know, I'm able to do that. I hope I'm able to open doors for people that are coming after me. You will. I'm sure you will. Thank you, Jessa. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank thank you guys so much for having me. And please edit out anything offensive that I didn't know I said, because like... Trust me. (laughs) Uh, You you said nothing offensive. No, you you were great. You were great. Nothing. You you did a great job and you covered covered a lot for our listeners to to listen to. So we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And I I would say like for any any women out there that, um, you know, any female filmmakers, uh, especially out there, that have been kicked down, um, you know, in the past 10 years, um, before things changed and they started to change like about five years ago, but let's be real. They're still kind of can be shitty. Yeah. Just know that not one company, not one movie, not one project will define you and that it sucks. But like, I hope that if like any female filmmaker who's thinking about quitting because of some, something like that happening, I hope they take another breath and realize that there's a bunch of little girls that one day could look up to them and that they could be the reason that somebody else makes it through. And I think sometimes you got to do it for other people, not just yourself. You have to live this life purposely for other people and trying to help other people. I really and this, is, and this is this is exactly why we have this podcast is because we want inspirational people like yourself to pass that message to let you know other other folks know that we want to include you. We want you guys to prosper. We want to know your success story. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think we talked a lot about the things that, you know, went well in my career. I have another five hours about all the things and all the doors that didn't, you know, got (laughs) slammed in my face. So definitely don't give up. Like, 
trust me, we've all been down in the dirt. We all just, we're all going through a pandemic, man. You know what I mean? Like we've all had it. We've all had a, you know, a rough time, but you can get through, you know, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a privileged statement, but find me on Instagram and I'll, I'll, I'll talk you, I'll talk you up and, and get you back out the door. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jess. Appreciate it. And speaking of Instagram, where can we find you? What's your information? All that. Let me look up what my Instagram actually is. Um, I think it's Jaja, which is like what my, my parents used to call me. Yeah. It's Jaja JTZ. So it's the J A J A, which is my nickname from when I was a kid. And then my initials JTZ. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I don't have a Facebook temporarily. It was too much. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's just too much. But um, I, I love to hear from people. And, you know, I'm always there to give a pep talk for anyone going through a hard time. Nice. Thank you. That's fantastic. All right, Jessa, thank you for your time. Thank you for being awesome. And look forward to uh, Six Feet Apart. And I know, good, luck, good luck in the post-production process. I know that's going to be a, a deal, but you'll get through it. We believe in you. <laughs> Thanks, Steven. <laughs> We're rooting for you, and I can't wait to see the film. I'm super excited about seeing it. <laughs> it is uh, six months of shooting. Um, our editor, Carla, by the way, shout out to another female filmmaker, our editor, God bless her. What's her full name? God Carla. bless her. Carla Rhoda. Let me give you her, na- her last name better because I'm terrible. Yeah, Carla Rhoda, R-O-D-A. She's Carla Rhoda, shout another, out. Yeah, another film, female filmmaker. She's got another. She's directing her own film this nice. year. Killer, killer, amazing. Well, we'll we'll send up a prayer and our thoughts for Carla Rhoda as she goes through this process. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you know firsthand. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Just as an advocate for female filmmakers. So if you're a female filmmaker, I suggest you DM Jessa on her Instagram at J-A-J-A-J-T-Z. That's at JaJaJTZ. Check her out. And for all filmmakers, you can check out our Instagram at Once Upon a Film Industry. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later.